Hello and uh, welcome to a, a little um, a little snack segment with Bear Trap and Mouse Trap. That's what I'm calling you, Mouse Trap. What do you think? Anyway, um, say say your name and, uh, and a little bit about yourself. Mouse Trap. Uh-huh. I like to make stuff and I like to make maps. It's kind of a, my favorite hobby. That's true. I've seen you make a bunch of maps on that. We actually uh, have a map here uh, with us right now. Um, I, I, we're we're going to talk a little bit about a movie at the end, but what, what my guest really wants to talk about is a map that we made for a video game that we will one day make. Um, I don't, we don't have a title for it, but it's, it's called Haunted Mansion. It's called Haunted Mansion. Um, right now i think that's a working title um but let, yeah. beatrice if you want to if you want to like go no, through oh at mousetrap if you want to go through and um and talk about what's on your map uh, go ahead you start at home and then you go to the barn and then you go to the scary forest mm-hmm. and then you go to the neighborhood and then that's your last level and then you can explore the places now are there draculas in the neighborhood Yes. Okay, that's something you always have to watch out for in games like this. Are the Draculas? What do you What do you encounter in the scary woods? I wish you guys could see this map. Maybe I'll post no. a, a picture of it to the to the website. It's a werewolf place where you meet werewolves, and the werewolves eat you, and you go. F- and at the ending of that level, you get to do a zombie game. Oh, a zombie game. At okay. the end of that world, the persons that live in there okay. get to have a dance party because you saved them. Oh, that's nice. So that's the, that's the ending of the video game is a dance party. That's very cool. So that's a nice happy ending to that. Yeah. So look for that in, the, in a few and while decades. And they have a dance party, you like work and do your stuff, just like in Mario Odyssey. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dancing. Yeah, we've been playing a lot of Mario Odyssey during the quarantine. Um, so uh, turning now from uh, future fu- future art to current art, uh, Beatrice has actually taken mouse in. Trap. Yeah, Mousetrap has taken in. Uh, we also call ourselves by our real names, too, but that's just... Okay, well, we can go with Mousetrap. That's fine. Um, we, uh, Mousetrap has taken in the movie Scoob quite a number of times. Um, and so, so what would you say is your overall feeling for the movie? Do you think it's, like, it's really watch, good? I want to watch Wonder Park. You want to watch Wonder Park? Well, that's a different movie, but we can talk about Wonder Park later on. I only watch Wonder Park three times and we watch it. Well, what about Scoob? How many times have you seen Scoob? Seven. Seven times. Now, do you like that movie? Is it okay, or do you not like it? I love it. You love it. Okay. What's your favorite character in that movie? Um, my favorite character is Scooby and Shaggy because they like food, and mm-hmm. I like food. Yeah, I like food too. That, that's that's and something we have in like common. They don't like spinach. But they like gross like... food. There's a there's a scene in there where they have a sandwich. Shaggy has a sandwich, and it's got. Did he say like gummy bears on it? Yeah. See, that's 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 gross. I, I don't. I, like I don't. Gummy bears. If he likes. Uh, no, you don't. You would never. You would never have gummy that. Gummy worms. Gummy. Is that what he has on there? Gummy worms. Yeah, I like. See, gummy that's vile. I don't think anybody would like that. So he may like food, but he doesn't like food in the right way. I think. Yeah, mouse trap is confused. <laughs> You're talking about yourself with the third person now. What have I done? Um, so here's another question. Um, there's a character in Scoob called Blue Falcon. What do you think of Blue Falcon? part I like with him is he giving the, the gift. 
Oh, is giving the gift? Yeah, I'm just so jealous for it. What does he give? I forget. You've seen it way more times than I have. What what gift? I forgot. You forgot too? Okay, so it's it, it's it's I memorable. I this movie the whole day. Oh, sure. Who who does who does he give the gift to? Shaggy. Shaggy at the end? No, just in the middle. Oh, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about that gift basket of all those books and stuff. Yeah, that, that's actually one of the things about Scoob. It's got some jokes that are kind of for grown-ups and some for kids. And the title of the books are kind of for grown-ups. Is, is, uh, um, I think the, the, the dad's book, Blue hey, Falcon, the dad. Mouse angry. <laughs> okay, hang on a second there. Um, it said that uh, the book is called um, Not Falcon Around. And then the, hit, the, the actual Blue Falcon's book is called just falcon around and you know kids aren't going to get that which is good but grown-ups will and that's about the level of humor you might find there um uh, for me i know we talked about this uh, on our last podcast uh and i thought it had some moments but overall it's a little weird um what about you what about you uh, uh mousetrap what do you think about that do you, do you think it's a little weird or you think it's it, what it, are you even talking about well we're talking about scoob yeah. Do you, so. Do you do you think it's like it's enough like Scoob, or it's like too different from from the Scooby Doo stuff that you've seen before, or have you even seen that stuff before? Have you seen Scooby Doo stuff before, or is this like your first your first introduction to Scooby Doo? First introduction. Oh, okay. So so this this may probably for a lot of kids, this is their first introduction to Scooby Doo. So um, it's setting this, the tone. Well, mouse trap. Yeah. Is going to explain the movie cartoons. The movie cartoons uh, in, a, in a future installment or right now? Of Animal Crossing. Okay, we're, well, we're just sticking to Scoob right now. Um, but um, here's a question. Now, one thing Scoob is doing is it's expanding the Scooby-Doo universe to include other characters. What did you think of Captain Caveman? Mm. Was that was that did that make sense that he was in there or was it kind of weird? He made sense. He made sense, yeah. Did he, was he funny? I don't know. Uh, he was funny. Oh, one okay. time he said, in fact, I wasn't even the pterodactyl's father. That's my favorite. Oh, he, he wasn't the pterodactyl's father? Uh, and, and Tracy Morgan does the voice of uh, Captain Caveman, and he does a pretty good job. I think it's pretty on point. Um, is there anything else you want to say about Scoob before we close it up? Mm-hmm. What do you want to say? Or that's up. Yeah, you can take us out to that. Go ahead. Sing the Queen Whatever I Want to Be song from the Lego Movie Part 2. Go ahead, Beatrice. Queen Whatever Wanna Be, the least evil queen in history. And you said, really good that's really good and some of those words are hard you had a, you had a bunch of them well anyway uh that that's that's it for the the uh i guess mousetrap corner um back to the live broadcast such as it were thanks guys bye bye b thanks that was great when i meant brian was that i would talk to b and get rid of you oh i see that might have made for a, a, a better segment now I, I i hope that was as fun to listen to as it was to record she was uh, great. <laughs> pretty <laughs> I was I was kind of was worried about like having her on like with like all you know with Alex you and me it's just I think like all that stimulus 
would have just had her, her, her mouth going like a mile a minute. You, no one would have been able to get a word in edgewise. So it's like, <laughs> I felt like I needed to, to corral that energy to get a, like a segment out of it. So, um, but yeah, so that, that was, uh, that was my daughter, Beatrice, five years old. Um, always, always a good time. Um, so Peter, yes, how, how are you? I'm well and healthy and, um, I'm still, um, quarantine bears. Yes. Yes. Quarantine. Um, how is that treating you now? I guess what we're almost like a hundred days of this or what? It's 103 days. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's, we're, we're, my business is starting to slowly come back. So I've been getting out a little bit more, been much busier again. I've been already busy, but been even more busy um, right. getting together, we're trying to figure out how to do 150 people weddings down to 20. Yeah. Um, social distancing, how are you going to do everything as a business? Um, but, uh, you start to consider a bunch of stuff for family wise is like, well, now that I'm going to be out working, even though I'm distancing, does that mean I have to give myself a two week quarantine from my family, from my, uh, elderly people in my family, uh, what's going on and what happens once school starts and then you start doing partial school and stuff like that. Like at what point do we just say we have to just take risks and, and, and risk it. Um, so right. it's just interesting. The conversation goes on. For instance, my, my beautiful, wonderful wife just completed her. I think I mentioned before she completed her yoga class and now she's been offered a job and she's taken it and she's going to oh, be wow. teaching yoga. She's going to be, I, as I said, I, I married an opera singer and I'm dating a yoga teacher. <laughs> you, um, you, yeah. So with her, they offered her to do in-person classes or online classes or both. And we were kind of going back and forth with it and it was up to her and I think she's going to make her decision soon. So it's, yeah. it's interesting the things you have to think about constantly, like what you're, you're getting out in the back in the world. It's going to, it's not like just go out. No, I got, I came home. I didn't touch anything. I washed my hands. I had a mask on. You don't know. Right. Like, yeah. You don't know. I mean, I remember early on reading tweets from people who said, yeah, I got it. I got a positive test. I feel terrible. I did everything right. And I still got it. And those were very alarming to me. But um, yeah, it's 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 a as unsettled and weird a time now as it as it's ever been since this thing started, because, uh, yeah, you don't quite know what the right thing to do is. And then you hear all this talk of like um reopening up and things getting back to normal and you're like but why because i mean at least in georgia which is now rapidly entering you know one of the top four hot spots in uh in the country i guess with uh texas congratulations thank you very much uh texas arizona florida now georgia with uh i think we're up in around the three thousand um new cases each day area um and so it, what I was noticing today was that um, if you look at the um, populous Western democracies, uh, the ones that had the highest totals, and I guess like, it, like Italy, UK, US. Well, well, currently that they're runaway, the runaway totals. I mean, to, to some extent, you almost have to give Italy. Um, a break because they were right at the forefront of it and, and they, they knew the least about it um, when it first hit. But if, but if you look right now, uh, uh, UK 
um, obviously the U.S. top of the top of the leaderboard, and then Brazil is coming up, and you're like, what are those guys? What do these three countries uh, have in common? And it's like populist right wing leaders um, who have sort of not led the way in terms of what to do in response to the science, and then and then taking it even further, which states are having the worst problems, and you have to go to the red states with the red governors. Um, you know, I noticed in North Carolina who has a Democratic governor, they, he just decreed that, uh, you know, all, um, everyone has to wear masks indoors. Great. Uh, the chances of our governor, uh, Brian, uh, I'm blanking on his name. Um, wow. I, I know. Um, the chances that he is going to, uh, make that same decree is, uh, s- small to none. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Arizona, Republican run, Texas, obviously Republican run, um, Florida, Republican run with DeSantis and um, and then, of course, us. So uh, I and I, what, what, what I was thinking was that it's it's never mattered more, at least since I've been alive, how your government and how your country is run. And, uh, you know, you can contrast the U.S. with. New Zealand or, um, well, New Zealand is probably the best example because they've got, they're down to like none. I mean, they, they've had no new cases. I think like Denmark is another good example. And they've of course, had some new cases. That's the fact that doesn't really get out there. They've had like three or four new cases. So something's still happening. Something's right. Not, somebody's not cleaning something. Right, right. And, and, and it's, it's actually starting to pop up back, back again in China. Um, but, but you just see that that these kind of really basic mitigation me- measures, social distancing, masks, and all that, um, because they are actively discouraging those things, we poor souls who live in these states, um, we're suffer, you know, we're suffering with with all the other people who think they're just going to get through it with no problem. Um, so yeah, I know, and I've got we had um, my daughter's school. She's going to be she's supposed to be going to kindergarten in August. We'll see how that goes, but. Um, the, the, the principal of the, her new elementary school and the assistant principal were going around, um, to every incoming student's, um, house to drop off a t-shirt and like a letter. Tell them to get out of there, get out of your yard. Right. And they were not wearing masks. Oh my gosh. They, I mean, I, I talk about a super spreader event. Like I, I went out thinking it was a, someone delivering a package and then they kind of come up, they don't shake hands to their credit, but, um, <laughs> You know, they, they, they handed me a paper and I'm just kind of, I take one edge and they take the other edge and whatever. I'm just like, ah, this, this is not, and we had, we had a contractor over and he came right in, no mask. I'm like, you Georgians are going to kill me. Why, why, why don't I live in like Connecticut yes. or something? You know, you, we asked you to move up here a long time ago. This, this podcasting, tele podcasting is ridiculous. We could be in the same room. <laughs> it's true. Well, actually we couldn't. <laughs> we'd be doing this right now oh yeah we couldn't we couldn't it would have to be yeah socially distanced so uh maybe i'll be a refugee up there before too long up in maryland because well, you guys like are doing, we, doing much we, better right we have a republican governor but our a large base is um middle class and educated and we have the most democratic counties in this the country i believe right um so it's with the republican stream and republican. i mentioned yeah, uh, mainstream Republican governor. Um, however, if you're a Democrat and you pay attention, he's still no bueno. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the but he's gonna get reelected no matter what because the mid the the independents love him. Um, but he's doing the right things and listening to the scientists and the doctors and and being slow. And then you have the different counties, the ones that are hit the hardest. The, uh, are the ones doing things even differently than the state being like a few weeks behind in opening and stuff like that. And and it's the state's doing well. So I, I keep a uh, pinned uh, tabs on my browser um, for the governor's uh, press releases, uh, the state's numbers releases at 10 a.m. every day. And at 12 is the county I live in's released numbers every day. And oh. they've done nothing but gone in the correct directions that's every great. every day, just getting better and better. We're at we're at like 500 beds now being used in the state. No kidding. For everything and deaths are range between five and 12, and it's and if you look at the graph, the 12 is the high, five is the low, so it's consistently going down in the direction. And the age is the elderly, um, and in nursing homes and and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Nobody under the age of 10, I believe, has died in the state. Um, so it's Great. going, this state's doing well and we're listening, but it's now it's just getting to a norm. Mm-hmm. You can't, you know, and we've been open for about four weeks. And then the, the counties I mentioned that are different are opening now. Like you can go back to a gym, which oh, is wow. crazy. Yeah. Um, it's, we're going to see in a couple of weeks how that does, but it's been a few weeks and I was expecting the numbers start going back up. They did not. And we were kind of open, semi-open. Like right. They have all these different phases, different colors. I don't know what any of it means. But basically, you can just about go do everything you want. Um, either eat outside or go inside and eat with a mask. I think you can do that here now. And like, like I mentioned, the gym's coming open. Pools yeah. are opening. And uh, movie theaters, I guess, are opening soon. Like, I, don't, I don't understand yeah, movie theaters. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to work. But uh, but yeah, that sounds great. Um, that's a real contrast to here. It's, it's uh, in the new, like, it's in the new state TV ads, like, yeah. Shows beautiful scenery, crabs. Here's our Bay Bridge. We play lacrosse. Uh, <laughs> we have Olympic swimmers from here, mm-hmm. and our COVID nineteen graph of everything going down <laughs> is better than yours. Come to Maryland. Okay, it's just nuts because it's like if everyone just wore a damn mask, uh, we would knock this thing down so hard. And actually, it's it's one of the few times I've actually um, found Fauci to be um, in the wrong was uh, he had, I guess he admitted under oath uh, yesterday in essence that uh, you know he intentionally misled everybody about masks because he was worried that uh, medical uh, uh, personnel would not have access to, oh, to the, enough the physical PPE. masks yeah, yeah the physical masks you know and um, I get where I get why he did that but uh, on the one hand you know how does he know how quickly uh, a country could potentially ramp up production of and distribution of those masks um you know obviously if he would just say i knew trump wasn't gonna do it and so i had to do personal triage and say better the 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 medical professionals get it than the guy who's going to be self-quarantining at home um you know that makes sense to me but it's still in essence what he's doing is uh lying for a good a good reason but it's still lying and you still sort of erode the trust that we, we really need to have in, um, in kind of our public health officials. So I, I was disappointed about that, but, um, but yeah, so, uh, should we, should we move on out of, uh, the sadness well, well, that is as COVID? We say, let's get into it, Brian. Let's get That's into it. We do, of, we do have a lot. It, I, a lot I would like about. to say we yeah. are com- <laughs> here at the snack. We are completely aware of an issue we've kind of not even talked about yet is the, uh, the racism in the country and 
Black Lives Matter, uh, Matter movement. Mm-hmm. Um, we are completely aware. We could totally talk about. It. I'm sure Brian has a lot to say, um, and I have my feelings. They're probably we're probably coming from complete opposite spectrums on this issue, not agreeing <laughs> in any way whatsoever. Of course, every oh, yeah. of course you know how we feel about everything. We want everything to change. We want everything to get better. But instead of talking about it like it's in the news everywhere, we're going to talk about crap. <laughs> yeah, that's and, kind of uh, what we do. And uh, that's hopefully we can help you escape. Um, but well, I, th- uh, I, I think I think we did we did get into it um, maybe a couple episodes back. I think a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe not not as 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 deeply as, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a major thing going on, and and it's um, it's actually really heartening to see. Um, all the things, all the good things that are coming from it, like just changes everywhere. I mean, just today I saw that um, the uh, the Nick Kroll Netflix animated show, I think it's called Big Mouth. Big Mouth, uh, yeah, it's about puberty. Yeah, and uh, they just let go um, one of the uh, white voice actresses um, who voices uh, uh, an African-American um, character on the show so that they can actually hire an African-American voice actor to, to do that role. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's going everywhere. Everyone's just like, let's, let's not do this sort of thing anymore. Thanks for that update, Brian. You're welcome. (laughs) It's, I thought, how can I, how can I thread the needle between what's really happening in the world and, and the crap that we talk about? And I think I did it. I I think that's I think that's really kind of a hats off moment. for me. Uh, Just to complete another spectrum of that, you know, you know who Nick Kroll is? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know anything about Nick Kroll? Um, I know that he had the Nick Kroll show. I know he's been on. Uh, oh, the the thing that we need to talk about. Um, uh, what we do in the shadows. He was on mm-hmm. that. Um, prior to, and 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 you know, well, what what do you got? His he comes from a billionaire family. He does. Yeah, he's the kid who went to art school and stuff. Really? Where did? Yeah. He, who's? What's what's the fortune he he's uh, investing in New York? His brothers are all running the company. And oh. he's just the outcast. And um, it seems like he's similar to uh, Elaine on Seinfeld. What's her name? Oh, yeah. Uh, Elaine Bennis. No, um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. <laughs> Julia Louis-Dreyfus. She comes yeah. from uh, wealth. She's from billionaire family as well in comedy. Yeah. But I don't think – I think that they don't live that way. They they actually try to live the bohemian comedian lifestyle and make their own way i believe that and nick kroll but if you pay attention to nick kroll you could see him leaning back and being a rich <laughs> kid too especially in his characters oh yeah his characters are often perfect send-ups of that like type of person and um i i didn't know that that's really interesting i think i'll i'll keep that in the back of my head next time i i watch something he does but you know i i, I like him i think yeah. he's funny well here we are like half an hour into our show we haven't even talked about any of our topics that's what i'm saying let's get into it brian let's let's get into so what are our topics okay first things first let's talk as we now always do about what you watched peter um (laughs) you watched (laughs) you watched uh lucy in the sky and before you talk about how you feel about having watched this movie i'm going to talk about the trailer that I just watched prior to the show to kind of reorient myself on, on what the, for the movie, Lucy in the sky, for the movie, Lucy in the sky, uh, which was, I think written and directed by Noah Hawley. Yep. Noah Hawley. Um, of who, who Fargo, has done. show fame yep. and, uh, Legion. Legion. Um, what else has he done? Those, those are the big things. I know he, he kind of keeps popping up. Um, he worked on bones. Um, oh, that he, was what he made his bones on bones. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, um, 
he's he was attached to Star Trek now with Paramount. Oh, that's right. That's right. He's uh, or CBS. I forget who owns it now. Um, he's allegedly doing um, a writing uh, Doctor Doom for Twentieth okay. uh, Century Fox. Um, but uh, basically, our experience with Noah Hawley is wow. Fargo, you're killing it. Legion, you're killing it. Oh, Lucy uh, in the sky. <laughs> yeah. So, I was I was tell surprised. Me about the trailer. Okay, I'll tell you my impression. Did you know about this movie at all? I had heard of it. I think I saw a teaser for it, and I never saw the trailer. And I'm just like, it's out. It came out in 2019, yeah. uh, and I watched the trailer, and the trailer looks good. Um, it looks like something I would like to see. But I never did. I never, I never even thought about this movie, and it just kind of came and went. Um, but it's so it's got John Hamm, mm-hmm. uh, Natalie Portman. I don't know why I, I listed John Hamm first, but Natalie Portman is a star. Because you're sexist. Yeah, it's just just deep seated systemic sexism. Um, and uh, those are the main ones, I think. Well, Dan Stevens, who is in just about everything he does now, and Dan Stevens is the British actor who's in Legion. Oh, Dan Stevens is in that. Yeah, I didn't yeah. see him in the trailer. Okay, uh, so let's let's go over to you. So you saw the movie Noah Hawley, legend in TV, makes a switch to movies, and it's just it's just golden, right? Right. This movie is hits me close to home. Okay. L- figuratively you, and literally. You have also taken a long trip in a diaper. Is that right? No. <laughs> so this movie is a, is called Lucy in the Sky, and it's about an astronaut, a female astronaut who's in space. She comes back to Earth and she has some form of disconnection with humanity and depression because once you're in space and you see everything from that position, there's a word for this. Um, I'm totally going to forget it because it's a little snack. Um, yeah. But it's when you um, you see the world as small as it is and you get this pers- per- uh, perspective that you can never have again unless you're up in space and it becomes like a drug. You mm. got to get back up into space to get that high again. And supposedly this is tr- this is a real thing and they have a name for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be great to use that terminology once again. But anyway, yeah. and it's about, uh, so she starts to go crazy and when she comes back, she doesn't really, she falls kind of in love with another, uh, pi- another uh, astronaut and uh she assumes that she's going to go in the next mission and then she learns that she she's not going to go and then what happens from there on this is very loosely based on a true story if everybody remembers and um i think it was 2008 uh a an astronaut female astronaut was found in a car with diaper and all sorts of things everything but basically i think i don't think there was a gun but and she was trying to kidnap another astronaut or another pilot or something. It was, like it was that. another woman, right? It was another woman, yeah. yeah. And what it was is, um, they were have both having an affair with this other captain, another pilot. Mm. Um, and the movie does it with they're all astronauts, but I don't think they were all astronauts in, in the true story. So the name of the astronaut who did this is named Lisa Nowak. The Nowaks were three houses up from where I lived on my street. No kidding. Um, so I was familiar with them. My parents told me that she babysat me once. Um, <laughs> I'm, I looked at her age. I don't know if that's true. Okay. Um, but she did just live three houses up from me. Right. And uh, I don't remember her or anything like that. Okay. So, but um, the, the she went to high school there and then she left and did, uh, I forget, an Air Force or 
uh, I don't know, she's an over, and she's an Air Force captain. And then um, she was on a Spatial Discovery in 2006. And um, yeah, she went to the high school, this, the public high school near me and everything. So I felt like, I was like, oh, let me watch this and see if any yeah. of that comes up. None of it did. They, they didn't really do it. Right. Um, the movie is very strange. It is very sophomoric for what Noah Wiley has been doing. But it, this was all basically him in a crew versus a writer's room, uh, cinematography, like really good, uh, really good actors. I mean, he has Dan Stevens in there, but everybody else was kind of, I mean, Natalie Portman is, 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 is still, her best performance is still maybe the first. And Black Swan. Yeah, Black Swan's really good. Yep. Um, Attack um, of the Clones, very good. I mean, I mentioned we just watched Thor, didn't I? Did we talk about yeah, Thor? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, we talked about Thor. Like, she, it was like, uh, yeah, she's it's not. Yeah. And then John Hamm is just John Hamm. You know, he's just a frat guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, the movie is not great. I don't recommend you see it. You're not missing anything. Um, you're not going to learn. Uh, if you watch all of, uh, when I say sophomore, Holly's uh, other stuff you've seen, Legion and Fargo, are way better okay. in terms of storytelling and using the camera and visuals and uh, devices. This is the only thing he really uses a device with this was um, something that somebody mentioned on the snack recently is um, uh, ratio changing. Changing the ratios, like going. Yeah, uh, I saw one, that in the trailer. Actually, that was. Yeah, like, they were playing with. It. I think they were trying like, look, she's small, and then you go to wide. I mean, it maybe worked in the theater. It doesn't work in your home, even okay. even on my big screens, it doesn't work. Um, well, it, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that she would live three doors down because the way they portray her in this, and I guess this is where the loosely based on comes from. You know, she's got she's southern. She's I guess she's kind of Christian. And her house doesn't seem like, you know, it seems very like middle to lower middle class, you know, just a small, you know, kind of quaintly decorated house. Um, is were, were they do you think they got the the status and, and class aspect of, of her correct or, or were they they were just using the story as a jumping off point for some completely different story? I think they created a character and they decided to use an accent. Maybe it was because of where it takes place, um, where people are supposed to be from. I think she's the character supposed to be from Texas. Okay. But, um, it, it didn't, it just made, it just made her seem more like a military person. Mm-hmm. It was like, a, it felt stereotypical to use the Southern accent. Like I'm in the military, but I do my job right. Yeah. I think, so I think whenever you see, see somebody who's not native Southern doing a Southern accent, yeah. Usually that's a red flag for a movie. You rarely yeah. see that go well. So it, it, I don't, I don't recommend the movie. Um, uh, trying to think, if there's anything redeeming about it. Um, it's weird if you want to just chill out and watch it late at night. It's some weird stuff in it, and you, it, it's not like creepy or it's just kind of weird with the ratio changes and yeah. her point of view and seeing things happen, and then it kind of comes to the fruition of. You know what happens at the end? Does she does she really go crazy? Does she really kidnap somebody? Uh, well, how does how does she get to right. that point? Right. Um, well, that's that's uh, that's kind of a bummer that uh, that it didn't work out. Uh, you you kind of want Noah Holly to kind of continue this uh, hot streak that he's on right into the movie, so he can kind of create big budget you know films that everyone likes. Like I like his sensibility enough where I'd like him to kind of be in the same position that uh, Christopher Nolan is in where he can just do whatever he wants to every two years, just Warner brothers will give him whatever budget he wants. Like, like I, that would, that would be cool if Noah Hawley had that kind of position. Mm-hmm. 
So that's a, that's a bummer. Hopefully, hopefully uh, Star Trek will um, will do better for him. Yeah, I don't know what status of Star Trek is, but I remember that was the last thing I heard besides Quentin Tarantino. Right, um, right. Yeah, I think the, the, the Noah Hawley stuff seems a little more, um, a little solid. I mean, I think everything's frozen in Hollywood right now, but when everything kind of thaws out after COVID passes or whatnot, um, I would expect that to start up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, okay. Yep. Um, let us switch over to, um, well, <laughs> something else you've watched. <laughs> <laughs> um, Artemis Fowl. Yeah. Let me, okay. let me, I know nothing about it. Uh, it came on Disney Plus. I was like, hey, kids, let's watch this. Kids, yeah. I turned it on. Kids weren't even paying attention. They were talking loud. I didn't hear it. So I was reading subtitles while I was watching the first yeah. uh, five minutes. And uh, it has Gad, Josh Gad, with okay. a voice like, he's going like this. He's like, it's terrible. Oh, it's like, the he's, like he's like a, a Hagrid talking about something. Oh, yeah. And we've, it, we've, we've talked about you. We, we shut it off. Oh really? How far? You only got five minutes in? Yeah, it just was didn't capture me at all. Okay, okay. So I saw the trailer, thinking that okay, he, he, we want to talk about Artemis. So I'll let me watch the trailer. So I watched the trailer. The trailer's really good. It uses a Radiohead song as like the central song. I'm like, this is cool. How how could how did I never see this? Um, and it you know it looks like it's clearly borrowing stuff from here to there. The thing that killed it for me though was this kind of like I don't know. Very self-possessed, eleven-year-old, ten-year-old in a suit and glasses, and like he just like the quintessential like rich kid, mm-hmm. and he's he's the hero, and it's like you couldn't get any further from Harry Potter if you tried. It's like you know Harry Potter is like the very definition of down on his luck, lives under the stairs, whatever. No no privileges granted to him. Uh, other than I guess white privilege, but we—that's uh, not what the movie's about. Um, and then, we and then you have back. this, <laughs> and then you have Artemis Fowl, and it's just like this kid looks like Richie Rich. Well, he's got all these gadgets. It's like you know, uh, I don't know. Like there's there's no there's nothing narratively to grab onto there um, in terms of like an underdog or or whatever. Like he's he's not even he doesn't even look like he's emotionally an underdog of of any kind. So um, it has a a nine on Rotten Tomatoes with 120 or so reviews. So um, apparently it's very bad, and and you weren't the only person to either turn it off or want to turn it off. Um, As I would like to say, it's Gad. It's yeah. You're you're gonna lay this at Gad's feet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's opening it, and they they put everything like he's the he's the, he's the intro to it. It's him yeah. talking like this, and I can barely speak with a big Hagrid. He looks just like Hagrid, oh, and it's really? just like if you're like, oh yeah, that's Josh Gad underneath that. <laughs> and what is he talking like? It does right. it does not bode well. And this is done by the same director as Thor. Wait, Kenneth Branagh did it. Kenneth Branagh did this. Oh no, that's <laughs> I, that's that's sad. <laughs> Oh man, oh, that's great. what happened? Oh, no, Peter <laughs> Kenneth Branagh's directing again. Man, that well, guy's I, great. He's great. Kenneth Branagh's great. He's going to be in Tenet. Like he's he's like the main bad guy in Tenet. So I'm like I'm all about him as an actor, but I've 
sadly, I guess he's he's got to miss like up there. There's like twenty books or eight books, twelve books. And this is like this is like a Harry Potter series it came out in two thousand, right. I think, and there's right. like twelve books or something. Yeah, that sounds right. I I haven't um, I haven't been tempted at all to jump into that series, mostly because I'm an adult, but also because it's like they haven't heard that there's any crossover on that. All right, so avoid Lucy in the Sky, avoid Artemis Fowl. Um, let's step away from some bad movies and over to a known, not just a good movie, but a classic movie by someone we've already mentioned today, Christopher Nolan. Um, the end, specifically, of Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. Um now you mentioned you wanted to talk about this, and and I, I'm not sure how you're defining the well, end. I haven't watched it recently. Okay, it but I came up about an it? article that brought it up, and it was like it's almost like one of those things. Like we, I think we talked about it when it came out, but mm-hmm. uh, this is way before the snack. What year is it? 2006, I think Batman came out. Oh, Batman Begins. Yeah, that sounds yeah. right. And um, basically, the the end of the movie. Um, they they the. the Basically, it seems like Warner Brothers is fine and executives are fine and DC seems to be fine with breaking the rules of Batman. Mm-hmm. Well, what Batman does, like if, if you had to do a Bible, Batman, um, basically most of the time is just Batman. He doesn't really use Bruce Wayne too much to fix things. He just shows up at things and pretends to be a millionaire playboy. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't use guns. Right. He doesn't kill. He is a detective. And he gets facts and uh, finds the villains that are behind things because somebody, a villain, is just using layers and layers to hide himself to get steal the gold or to uh, steal some magic item or something and, right. and make himself powerful. Um, or in the League of Shadows, which is a thing from the Bible, I would say, is to uh, control the world's power, uh, balance of power. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that would be the Bible. So in this Batman, it seems to be they set that up really well. And at the very end, spoiler alert for those who haven't seen Batman Begins. Yeah. Uh, Batman, you got a lot, guys. Batman and... Um, Gordon. Not Gordon. Oh. Um, oh, Ra's al Ghul. Ra's al Ghul. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, thought, I, I didn't know what's ending your part. Okay, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Ra's al Ghul are on the, um, basically the, the Bruce Wayne Metro. Mm-hmm. Um, the L that's in Gotham and um, they're fighting each other. Um, and he, he's, he's, he, I think the train is about to blow up or break and there, there's no tracks coming. It's one of the scenes where there's no tracks and that's going about to go off the rails. And uh, he's like, you're going to have to kill me. Um, you're going to have to kill me, Bruce. And Raza Al Ghul says, you're going to have to kill me, Bruce. He's like, no, I, I'm not going to kill you. And then he blows up the train and it falls off. And he says, but I don't have to save you. And then he right. lets Russell Gould fall to his death. Yeah. And he which is two, two mistakes right there, which is he does kill somebody with yeah. in failure. He chooses not to help. So that is killing somebody. Yeah. And two, whenever you see a bad guy fall off screen, you, they're not dead. They're going to come back later. It's comic book rules. So right, he's, not dead. he's not dead. Right. But I didn't really get too into how... Batman doesn't kill Ra's al Ghul, but he he the moral code gets blurry there. And is that like a modern that whole modern thing where we start to say, well, Batman doesn't 
this thing we keep you and I keep going back and forth with is Batman actually sucks and it's Bruce Wayne that actually has to fix the problems that mm-hmm. are in Gotham. Mm-hmm. Um, w- what are your thoughts on this? Um, you know, it's 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 funny. Like I I feel like there's a nuanced conversation to be had about this, but uh, but like when you look later on at like for instance the Zack Snyder Batman, uh, and Zack Snyder just doesn't doesn't care. He's like Batman, yeah, guns, cool. Batman, yeah, he kills people. Yeah, Did that's he fine. Kill? I can't tell. He kills well, people. Well, yeah, he does. Because Batman like, versus Superman, right? Superman. Yeah, like there's that car chase. The and, yeah. and Batman's got the the guns coming out of the and and it's just like ripping dudes in the truck that he's chasing like to shreds, like blowing stuff up. I mean, people aren't surviving that car chase. Um, and Batman's totally cool with it. Um, and I think I think Christopher Nolan was uh, a bit more thoughtful with the that kind of constant thing, like. In the comics, yeah, it's fine. He doesn't kill anybody because you need them to live again because you got another issue coming out of like three weeks. But in the movies, they need that closure. The bad guy has to die. So it's like uh, Christopher Nolan and a lot of these superhero directors uh, have to find some way to to thread that needle. And I thought that what they did there, what what Nolan and uh, Goyer and those guys did, was was pretty smart because it's like uh, Ra's al Ghul is a really bad guy. He's dangerous. He's going to keep because he's a fanatic. He's going to keep coming back. Um, and and so Batman has to say, you know, you know, he's he's essentially a witness <laughs> to Ra's al Ghul's death. You know, it's like the the end of the of Seinfeld where that like the Good Samaritan law uh, and, and, and they get in trouble because they don't help somebody who is who is like in distress or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like that that is sort of ethically and morally iffy um and so batman just says you know what you you're not in a position to save yourself i don't have to do it um I'll, off i go and he kind of flaps his bat bat wings and and flies away and ra's al ghul is is le- because he did save him once before and what, what what was what was the what was the payback you know did all what did liam neeson do because bruce wayne saved him it didn't matter to him at all he was he's such a fanatic that that personal loyalty and all that didn't didn't, didn't register for him at all. So it's like uh, there was kind of a a poetic comeuppance where he gets to honor his code. It, he didn't kill him, but he he still gets to preside over the death of of someone who was uh, a a clear and present danger to Gotham City, uh, who was um, you know which is Bruce Wayne Batman's whole uh, reason for being. Yeah. The there's an earlier scene in the movie where it's a uh, what do you call that when a criminal is going to be released? They call it a hearing. Oh, a parole hearing. Yeah, a parole hearing for uh, it's not Zach's. This is Zach's. What's the what's no, his? It's, um, yeah, what's his name? Uh, Joe Cool, I think. Joe Cool is the yeah. the guy who kills his parents or is allegedly arrested and, and put in jail for shooting his parents. Mm-hmm. I think I think he did in this movie. I think yeah, they he did. Show him. Joe, Joe Chill, Chill, Chill. Oh wow, yes. we both got it at the same time. <laughs> wow. Oh wow, that's so good. Um, chill. He uh, he gets released this time because Bruce Wayne doesn't stand up and say anything for the family and whatnot. But the reason why he did that was Bruce Wayne has a gun in his pocket and he wants to shoot Joe Chill on the walk, the perp walk that goes to releasing him. He um, in when he goes to do that. Um, somebody else comes up and just shoots him in the back. It says, this is for Falcone. 
or something like oh. that. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, Falcone. This is from Har- yeah, Falcone uh, says hello or something. Yeah, and, and kills him. So, uh, in a way, he lets somebody else do the work. And he was going to do something, but he lets the, the Gotham itself intervened in, in his own justice. Mm-hmm. Right. And that also taught him with the guilt. He, he gets slapped after that by, um, not Vicki Vale. Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes, but what is her character's oh. name? Oh, what is her, her character's name? She's in. Uh, I don't remember. Rachel Dawes. Oh, yeah. Rachel Dawes. Rachel Dawes, yeah. Yeah. Rachel. Yeah. Um she slaps him and like makes him feel guilt. And it's like that's when he learns not to kill. Um and then his code starts there. His vent is is and that's when he goes and runs off on a boat and leaves being who he is and becomes somebody else and he goes and trains and gets caught up in the League of Shadows. Um so I still th- the ending uh, it's weird. It's if you watch it again, it's a little um, 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 it's 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 not great. It's great in the movie in the moment. You're like, oh yeah, he just let him die. That's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, if we're gonna talk about the whole Batman code and 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 whatnot, it doesn't work in my opinion. Okay. And I still think it's a great movie. It's not as great as the Dark Knight, the next movie, which has. Tons of holes and problems with it, but it still freaking works. Yeah, and he and he saves the Joker. He does right that that ending. I feel like they're like, oh, we need to do something right with this ending. That's yeah. right. So this brings me to one of our snackers that talks a lot about this. Not on the snack, but on his own posts. Um, yeah, we'll call him um, the the God Papa. That's what I call him. You know, okay, call him God Papa. Um, we all believe that Bruce Wayne, with his money, should be helping solve the system that's mm-hmm. that's the real solution to crime in gotham and and the issues that are in gotham and getting people the uh psychological attention they need as villains and criminals and whatnot versus just putting them in jail mm-hmm. right that would fix that world i believe and the sharing of wealth and and spreading it out right that is kind of what um papa preaches all the time and that is also what the league of shadows was always doing they don't let the wealthy get too wealthy and they always, you know, raise the lower up. They, they keep a balance of civilization. Do you know anything about this that I'm going in the wrong direction? No, I think, I think you're touching on, um, Christopher Nolan's conservative streak. Um, very, very succinctly here. Yes. I, I, I think, I think that's right. That he, he does, um, essentially have, the League of Shadows essentially is, a, a, in a way, a, a, a ultra-left terrorist group. Um, and, and I think he, he underlines that theme really hard in um, Dark Knight Rises when you have um, the rabble in, in New York going into, uh, I guess, the West End or something like that, these very, very nice apartment buildings and, you know, kicking the, the wealthy out and, being very rude with them and stealing their stuff and Aww. being being I know it's very uh, and you can just see Nolan's like yes this is right this is exactly right I'm going to go um, home I'm going to go home <laughs> after this movie shot please yeah um so so I, I hadn't thought about that before but you're right the league of shadows is 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 um kind of part and parcel of of that 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 worldview so why does so that would mean that batman falls upon the bruce wayne idea of 
no, the Bruce Wayne business, the Wayne uh, mm-hmm. found, Foundation or Corporation. Is it what is it called? It's just called Wayne. Oh yeah, Wayne Corp. Well, it's, it's called different things. Yeah, I guess it's various like, things. There's different things. That it's it's um not commercialism. What the heck is it called? Um oh oh philanthropy? No, the the type of economy. It's a uh, oh. What is America? We're oh um uh, capitalist, capitalist capitalist Jesus okay. Christ. Papa. <laughs> God Papa would kill me. Uh, we're capitalists. So Batman becomes kind of the capitalist in that situation. I mean, yes, the the um were they going to kill lots of people? No, they were just going to take away the water and make them. Yeah, they're uh, going to turn them all into they're, crazy. They're going to yeah, they drug them all and make them crazy. Yeah, I, 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 I guess. Yeah, I guess that goes the wrong way. Uh, <laughs> that's where my theory kind of falls apart. But <laughs> if you look at it um, philosophically, mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne is trying to uphold the capitalistic beliefs uh, in, in that in the first movie. Well, yeah, and it, and I think that's probably another tough thing. Uh, maybe not so much for Christopher Nolan as he does have that kind of conservative bent, but but Batman as a character, and I know we're only talking about two people at this point. And thank you for for staying on. Um, but Batman as a character is kind of trash right now. I mean, in terms of like his whole thing, you know, that there was a criticism of Batman. It's like he just goes out and and beats up poor people. That's his whole job. Exactly. And and you're like, yeah, that's true. And that's not cool because I think he was he was born out of a different time, obviously, and you know, and in the seventies and eighties when some would argue that that crime was high because of, you know, lead consumption, which was rampant, you know, twenty or thirty years earlier, um, and it messed up people's brains and so you had higher instances of crime. And so Batman <laughs> seems like exactly the right character for that time before anyone, you know, no one's really thinking too hard in the in the 70s. Uh, <laughs> um, but now it, with what we're talking about, it's just like who, who, who we're actually having a legitimate conversation about, do we even need police? No, no, and, that, that's not true. I, well, and to the extent that we need them now, uh, it, to the extent that we have them now, I think we that have, is a, we have a, a job position. Yeah. Uh, which is this old, oh my God, I want to get into it, don't we? Yeah, well, you can't help the, it. It's, it's, to it's fund every- the police does not yeah. mean get rid of the police. It means, okay, the the definition of what a policeman does no, needs uh, yeah, to be I, refined and narrowed, and we need I, to hire other people who are taught and put in other jobs. I, uh, I was being rhetorically great. excessive to, to make my point, but you're right. Defund the police doesn't mean get completely rid of the police, but but redefine their job roles. Um, but but in, in this climate, you know, what... What is Batman? What is what is uh, so? I well, guess Batman. I think I posted a meme about this. A Mimi. A Mimi. Yes. Was was a guy dressed up in full Batman regalia and walked into one of the Black Lives Matter movements and everybody just kind of like was like rah 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 rah. Yeah, everyone. Yeah, everyone was cool, right? And it was like, what the hell? And yeah. So we're like, hey, it's Batman. <laughs> we just like these guys walked right through it. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I did see that. That was that was actually kind of cool. Like the the protesters, that, which is our problem. Chilling. Batman is so freaking cool just yeah. in general because you do feel like he's fighting for all of us. Right, right. But if yeah, we break and, it down yeah. into what it is, you know, it's really we need Bruce Wayne to fight for all of us. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's 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 interesting. I I I think if anything it's shown that um the billionaires as well meaning as some of them may be um aren't driving the conversation or really doing anything meaningful anywhere. Like the people that's that true. Well, I 
I think it is. I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll I, I won't say that never. I mean, I think Bill Gates' work with um, vaccines is great, um, you know, and the, the charitable giving and all that. But um, you know, billionaires aren't driving this this change right now. It's it's people. It's just people coming out, and they're they're driving way more change than than any billionaire has been able to sort of. Uh, they're on the yeah yeah on this on the current situation. They're on the outskirts. Um, even Koch brothers. I mean, it's right. the middle people that are keeping the um, the status quo of the the metaphor is right now you have all these people in cities knocking down a, a white confederate on a horse over as a statue and a yeah. statue. They're just knocking these things down right. and the, it's made of metal and stone and we've destroyed this thing that's been here for a hundred years. Yeah. But then the caricature is if you keep going down and you see a slice of the earth, the roots from this statue go oh. down a hundred feet. It's not going yeah. anywhere. You got to deal with the roots. Right. So, right, right. um, I'm sure there, there are, there's no billionaire conspiracy that are in control of this. That's other ridiculous. Certainly. But um, and there's good and bad billionaires, but I think it's the yeah. middle of the ground. It's the it's the McConnells. It's the what is it today? They got the 200th con, uh, um, right wing judge life term. Oh, yeah. Placement like and the, feder- this, the federal bench. Yep. Right. This means that, OK, we can stop worrying about the popular vote. We're going to keep all our laws the way they are and right. we'll still win that way. They they, they won that they, they got the Supreme Court, which right. hasn't helped yet, surprisingly. And yeah. the federal judges, which are life life term yep. they've got that tip to the conservative bend as well yep. um so uh, they're set for another 50 years basically yep. so that's that's no bueno for the Very country true. it's 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 not i'm not trying to say for one side it's just going to not solve anything yeah yeah but and, and, to, and, yeah to, to bruce wayne yeah. as everyone is clamoring for us to return to um we can't talk enough about bruce wayne honestly um i i, I just think that um you know what? I, in the movie Batman Begins, his dad is is the the heir to you know he's just a doctor or whatever, but he's the heir to to the the, the fortune, and he's talking about all these things he's doing, very civic minded stuff for the for the uh, um, for the city, and we don't we don't really get much of of that from from Bruce Wayne. We don't get that he's trying to save everybody from you know diabolical plots but I, I don't i don't recall a lot of stuff about um his kind of altruistic side i mean i guess at the end of dark knight rises he's talking about uh, you know a, a, a free source of energy or something like that very kind of you know high concept stuff but let me uh, remind you the last shot of him in dark knight rises <laughs> yeah yeah he's he's Oh well, yeah, he's having he's having a a, a nice Italian uh, a, a meal out in in Florence or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's with real. with Catwoman, right? Yeah, yeah, that's and he's right. waving to. Uh, uh, yeah, he, he tips his tips his cap to Alfred or something like that. Yeah, that's right. It's it's like that's uh, okay. a terrible what a terrible ending. Yeah, uh, I was so mad at that movie. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we're not we're not gonna solve it. This is gonna be an ongoing conversation of. Really, Bruce Wayne should be the hero. But I agree with you that the the, the the billionaires are in the outskirts. How do you get, you know, the people to vote? But you never really hear like, you guys need to vote. We need to get behind a politician. They tried to with Harvey Two Face and mm-hmm. and and push like, well, let's change let's change the system. But um, right, it, there's there's parallels. We just have to. Batman will save this. 
Yeah, and I and I think the the the, the writers <laughs> who are handling the comics, uh, just to be a complete nerd, um, are actually pretty wise to this, and and I think that they, as they always do, they reinvent Batman and and kind of make him um, cool and um, and interesting for a new generations of kids. That's why he's been around for a hundred years, or I guess seventy five years now. No, more than um, eighty years. Is it eighty that kids came through? All right. Um, so moving on to Dark Knight, right? No, just kidding. Um, just before we move on, yeah, because yeah. we can't get enough. Yeah. There was the news in the last couple of days of um, Michael Keaton oh, yes. putting on the cowl again for the Fl- DC's The Flash movie. Yeah, I thought that with Ezra. Ezra, I, I thought he was out. Of yeah, I Hollywood. thought he was out. Yeah, so, I saw so that the, video. The, so, but I guess he's back in. What's his name? Ezra Klein. Ezra yeah. Klein or Ezra Miller? Ezra Klein's a CNN guy, I think. Yeah, oh yeah, I think maybe he's the Vox guy. So this guy, named, this kid named Ezra, who was in, uh, was surprisingly fun to watch in the um, Justice League, Justice League movies, uh, yeah. and it was a surprise and kind of tied the story together, yeah. um, because the Flash can travel through different dimensions and different times and stuff like that because of the speed, the the power that he has. Anyway, anyway, um, he was going to get his own movie and. Um, there seemed to be the most recent press about it was, yeah, it's still on the list. There's money for it. They're getting a writer for it, maybe even a director. And then he does some sexual assault. No, I think it was like an actual a physical assault out in the street. And I got videotaped. Like he looked like he was under the influence to a of woman. something. Yeah. To a woman who may have also been, you know, in his cohort or something like that. And it was just this weird little glimpse of some sadness in their lives. And it, it, it wasn't good press for Ezra by any stretch. Uh, and then the only news I heard since that was two days ago with uh, Michael Keaton donning the cowl and being probably what it is is another Batman in another time or dimension. Right. And it's probably like a 30-second, 20-second thing versus exactly. how they're trying to make it out. Like, Michael Keaton's Batman again. It's like, eh. Yeah, yeah. He, he'll he'll make a fun cameo and we'll all, we'll all enjoy it. But if you, you know, encase it in crap like you've done with the other DC comic movies, then... You know, no one's going to enjoy that very much. So I, I'm happy to see it. And I, and I think hopefully Warner Brothers sees from uh, the, the fan reaction to, to that, that the they guys like me, nerds like me, desperately want to see Michael Keaton be Batman again in some way, shape or form. And we want more than the 30, 30 second, you know, cameo in some Flashpoint movie, you know, do Dark Knight Returns, do it right, do it with Michael Keaton. He deserves it. He's awesome. Just do it. Um, but yeah, I did see that, which was which was cool to hear. Okay, any more Batman stuff? Um, not for the next few minutes. I'm good. Okay, yeah, we'll take we'll take a brief Batman break, um, mm-hmm. and we'll, let's move to some sad news, Peter. Oh, the word of the week? No, that's that's <laughs> a, that's that's a good burn. I appreciate that. Uh, that's, that's fair. No, I was gonna go with the death of uh, beloved actor Ian Holm. Uh, Yes, Ian Holm. Um, he, I guess he passed, uh, uh, how old was he? Was he like 80? He was 80. He would have been 81 this year. Okay. And, oh, sorry, uh, 88. Oh, well, we <laughs> took, took away very casually eight years of his life. Uh, so he was 88. Good for him. That's a very good long life. Oh, um, don't like and what what a I, I don't know I was I was bummed about it I mean I'm glad he had you know obviously he, he lived a long and full life and he he left behind some um, 
fantastic film performances. Um, and I was just, uh, you know, I think the highlights are, um, you know, obviously. What's your alien. first memory of him? Um, <clears throat> I think going through his filmography, I'm trying to think what I saw first. I, I probably, I guess it might've been alien. You saw alien. Well, not when it first came out, obviously, but, um, you know, when I did see it, I think it was the first time I was, uh, wait, was he in time bandits? Yes. Okay. That's the first memory that's I have. That's the first Ian memory too. I saw that yeah. in the theater and that's, you know, yeah. it was Napoleon. He was fantastic. Yeah. Was that's right. Napoleon. He was Napoleon. Yeah. That's my first Ian Holm experience. And, you know, he, he, he was good in that, but you know, he didn't light up my little, you know, you, 10 year old imagination. Yeah. He's a scene stealer. You, 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 we were so young and we saw him and, and that's our first, uh, that's our first thing of Napoleon ever. Like, oh yeah. I, yeah, that's who I see as Napoleon with his arm and his shirt and laughing right. at the the little dolls, the Punch and Judy show that they're that's doing right. up on the thing. And he's and he's fantastic. And he's almost like, and at the end, he doesn't care that they're stealing stuff. He's like, yeah, whatever. So that's how I that's that's how I think Napoleon was when allegedly he was actually not a short guy. He was right, not short, not short. French, not British, very smart. French, not British, not American either, as I had understood. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, so that's 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 good. I'm glad you reminded me of that. But um, what one thing I kept, you know, everyone kept talking about his his kind of top line performances and you know Lord of the Rings and the Alien and that sort of thing um, was his voice performance in Ratatouille as as the uh, the evil head chef of the restaurant that uh, mm-hmm. Linguini works at. I marvel at that every time I watch that movie how good it is and how it doesn't sound anything like Ian Holm. It sounds like a completely lived in, completely authentic French dude who's just a little bastard. And uh, I'm just like, holy cow, that's Ian Holm doing this. And every time I watch, I watch that movie, uh, it's, it's probably my favorite Pixar movie. And uh, every time I watch it, I'm just like in awe of, 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 of that work that he's doing. I'm like, if Pixar could get I mean, honestly, that should be the gold standard for uh, your voice actors in your CG movies. You know, and oftentimes with a movie like Angry Birds or something like that, they're just kind of going through the list of available talent and trying to grab as the brightest lights they possibly can, whether or not they're they're right for the role or whatever. But with Pixar, it's like, let's get the guy who's going to knock this out of the park and and make you forget you're watching um an animated film voiced by people in a studio and, and make you think that make you believe that these are real people having, you know, real emotions and that sort of thing. And Pixar does that almost all the time. And, and that to me was just like perfection. And, and then, you know, you have Peter O'Toole in that role also doing the same thing where he's embodying that character. You can't imagine anybody else doing it. Um, but, but uh, I, I, just from my own perspective, I would have liked to see, some some more people acknowledge that that how good that was um but yeah it's 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 a sad thing i I wish we had even more performances from him to to kind of look through but uh uh, i don't know somebody posted up something um on the snack about uh peter jackson's was that you or about peter jackson's Mm -hmm. uh last last conversation with i don't think i think benji okay yeah that might have been right um and i really like that that was that was a, a a great remembrance from peter jackson and i i didn't know that i didn't i didn't realize that that had been his last performance um he did at, that at, and he uh, and did, spe- uh that performance being the hobbit the the um an unsomething 
the the first Hobbit movie of the 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 Hobbit trilogy that came out much later. Well, he did he did two scenes. Uh, he did one from Unexpected Journey. Yeah. With Bilbo and Frodo talk for a second mm-hmm. about something. I forget what part it is. It's before it's before Lord of the Rings, obviously. Okay. Wait, isn't it? Yeah, the Hobbit the Hobbit movies take. Oh, but but in terms of like the, the framing device. Yeah, what? what oh, that, I think I think it's like right before Lord of the Rings. The scene is like he's like because he's still writing his book. Oh, okay. okay. The, the, an unexpected journey. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of he's finishing the book, uh, the Battle of the Five Armies. Is that the third one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, but but uh, checking the credits here, he did do uh, an I think uh, audio for Alien Isolation. Which is yeah. a video game, which I haven't played yet, and I'm, I would like to play. Oh, but it dude, looks... it's so good. If you want to is talk about Alien Isolation, I'll talk to you about that all day. It's so uh, good. We should, it, if we if we talk about some video games, we should probably have um, friend of the show Heath on um, because he played that game as well. He did some amazing Twitch videos with that. Really? Um, yeah, uh, it's it's a good time. That's that's one of the better video games I've played that, in my life. That's that's when um, Ridley's daughter goes to try to find her or something. Uh, not Ridley Scott's Ripley. daughter. Ripley. Ripley's daughter. Jesus. <laughs> I, I just giving you a hard time. Yeah. Um, Ripley's daughter goes to to find her. It's it's great. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm wanting to play that. Um, let's see. What other big movies? Let's go backwards. Uh, Hobbits. Yeah, I did that. Sure. Ratatouille. He, the name of the character was Skinner. That was oh, 2007. Sure. He was in uh, Lord of War, which I believe is a Nick Cage movie. Isn't that a Nick Cage movie Nick where he sells yeah. weapons? Yeah, no, uh, maybe or is it the John Cusack one? No, it's that's it. That's it. Okay, Andrew that's... Nichol. Andrew Nichol did that. Who hasn't really done too much lately? Oh yeah, he sure hasn't. Um, The Aviator, okay. which is uh, that's a Scorsese. Yeah, Scorsese. Scorsese. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Using Garden State, which is Zach Braff. Yeah, Zach Braff movie. Uh. It was he was he playing that? I don't know. I haven't seen that. I've seen that once. I haven't, yeah, I don't I've know. seen that once. I think that um, kind of covers it. Lord of the Rings, Turn of the King, Fellowship, um, bookends there. How how uh, how soon before Fellowship does he do Sweet Hereafter? What? The the Adam McGoyan movie. How 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 many years before Fellowship does he does he turn that one in? Sweet Hereafter is ninety seven. Okay, so just like th- four years before. Yeah, uh, Fifth Element. Ah, uh, yes. As yeah. priest Vito Cornelius. <laughs> um, we haven't talked about that movie, and that's one of the films we saw in school and saw together. I think. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, let's see, uh, mostly just Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. He was the father, and that was a script. That was a uh, Kenneth Branagh movie. Spread, Kenneth Branagh, uh, produced by um, Coppola and uh, written by Frank Darabont. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. I guess that was Darabont. Oh, that was Universal's um, uh, yep. most recent attempt to kind of resurrect the uh, the Universal monsters. Yeah, De Niro as Frankenstein. Um, right. That was the summer. 94 was the summer I went to the USC Universal program. 
and I believe I was told the story before in the cast, but we, we would go to Universal Studios a couple times a week and we'd see, we'd, they'd show us stuff in the stages, see stuff being filmed and they have artists come talk to us. And one of the people they had come talk to us was some, some guy named Frank Darabont who did help write, huh. um, wow. uh, with Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, Dream, Dream Warriors. And I was like, hell yeah, yeah I love that movie. It's <laughs> so cool. And it's like, and there they showed us a trailer. This is a movie I just finished shooting and we're in editing and it's like, it's a trailer for Shawshank. I'm like, hey, oh, oh, great. That looks that looks like fun. Whatever. That was boring. <laughs> and then he told us about like, Frankenstein. He was talking about Frankenstein, and he gave us all uh, a copy of the script, which had um, drawings on it. And um, every once in a while, there's drawings of what was going on, and it was signed by him. And I have no idea where that is. And no, that is the saddest freaking thing. But yeah. But the worst part about that story is I was sitting there, and there's the guy who's going to change screenwriting and film mm-hmm. without being like a big action this kind of movie it's just Zay Wataneu man yeah yeah that's awesome get li- get busy living that's I mean that movie yeah, it's I haven't yeah. seen it I haven't seen it in more than 15 years and I know other people that it's like one of their it's our favorite movies but we don't watch it because if you watch it it's like you got to sit there and you got to watch it right. even though it's on every freaking hour on tmc or whatever channels yeah um, just to take a brief interlude where, where, where the hell is frank darabont i mean talk about a travesty like after he did walking dead season one and had that falling out i feel like i don't know if it was just hollywood said yeah we're done with him he's too difficult and and they haven't done anything with him but it's like what a voice we're we're, we're missing right now i don't know uh, uh, i wish i wish he'd be back he uh just i mean there was the mist yeah, and that was that was a director. Was that the last one? Uh, the Walking Dead, season one. It director Mob City. That's right. He tried to do another show, Mob City, and it totally bombed. Okay. Um, and yeah, that's it. Nothing why, since fourteen. Why? Why will they only give him, you know, TV shows? It's like someone just say write and direct a movie. I mean, that's I don't know. I don't think he's lost his mojo or anything like that. I think I think the movies, you know, The Mist was great. You know, there's some some debate about the ending, of course, but um, you know, the guy's just a great director. Got to get him back out there somehow. I don't know. Well, he also has good DPs, and he does. he's a it's great scripts. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Dream Warriors was great. You had all these different characters, and they all had their power, and they all came to their conclusion. I thought that was like I, I noticed that how fun that was instead of the regular Freddy movie. Right. It was like aliens for Freddy. It was great. Um, I haven't seen that movie. Actually, I actually I've never seen any of the Nightmare on the Elm Street Elm Street movies. Yeah, that's, that's, that's sad. <laughs> he, he also wrote one of my favorite '80s horror, The Blob. Um, I I I I have a for some reason I have a kinship to wanting to make a movie that is similar to the blob it's the ultimate 1980s movie because it's like an alien an entity comes and destroys a small town versus yeah. like flash dance this is the horror film version of it <laughs> um small town entity that wants to destroy a town with dancing and this is a dance thing that comes and just eats the bones dance destroys the town um but uh, back to ian holm which we should yes yes back that to we should be remembering um uh, let's see what else they do um let's see naked lunch which is a weird movie yeah was he uh, uh, he was in Branagh's hamlet 
Oh, he played Polonius, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, this isn't Branos. This is um, Mel Gibson's. Oh, Mel Gibson's. Yeah. Um, is it Henry V? Is that Brano? Yeah, that's yeah. Brano. That's Brano. He was in that. Okay. Um, that's a great movie. Let's see. Um, Browning version, which I don't know much about, but that's a book. Um, he was in Brazil. Um, he was in Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan. Oh, yeah. I remember I, seeing that. I remember seeing that and seeing him. Christopher Lambert. Yep. Um, let's see. Uh, Time Bandits, Chariots of Fire, um, which I remember seeing when I was very young. I don't remember much about it. Sure. Um, the song that came from it. Um, let's see. Alien in 1979. Um and before that, not too much BBC stuff, TV series, working actor kind of things. But yeah, Alien was what really probably brought him on. Um, and he was fantastic in that role. Oh my gosh. He helped yeah. define uh, androids um, yeah. in a way. And how something that had never really been talked about too much, maybe by in, in, in Asimov they had, but if an android was given orders that fucked with the three rules of uh, the robot laws of Android that it would go haywire. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was, that's, that's, that's probably, I guess that's probably the potentially Bilbo um, in terms of his, his like defining performance. But I, I, I'd like to think that it'll be alien because he's just so good in that movie. Um, those scenes are great. Um, so. Rest in peace, Ian Holm. Yes. Um, I guess. No, no. Live in peace. Rest in power. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't like that uh, rest in peace thing. We should live in peace. Um, so, yeah, let's move on from some uh, sad news to some very good news, potentially, um, coming out of, I don't know, is he still in New Zealand? George R.R. R. Martin, uh, his announcement, uh, I think today or yesterday, Mm-hmm. that um, he plans to have The Winds of Winter, the next book in the uh, Game of Thrones uh, series. I know, talk about like Game of Thrones? Oh, yeah, that. Um, he, he plans to have it done by uh, by the end of next year. I, I think out by the end of next year. So um, I think that's probably the first time he's he's been in any way definitive about it. So that's promising. And he's like, he's 71. So and there's, got, and there's three more books or two more. No, books? There, there's after this one, there's one more. Oh, so he's got to be writing that at the same time, right? I not don't just think like, so. Well, putting like notes to like, OK, I'm going to do this later. I think, he, you know, I do wonder about that because I, I'm sure that there are certain scenes in the end that he he knows about that were in some way uh, shown in the show. Uh, that he has basically written in his head for the last 15, 20 years or whatever. And those may go quickly, but nothing, nothing with George R. R. Martin happens quickly. I think he, if we're lucky, he'll, he'll put the last period at the end of the last sentence and then, and then he'll expire. I think it, at, at 92, I think that's how it'll go. But um, he did mention that he was writing chapters with Cersei, uh, Tyrion, uh, Barristan Selmy and another guy who I didn't, uh, who I don't think was big on the show and has um, since since gone out of my head. Uh, uh, and then 
of course, Arya. I think that's what he said he was going to go work on her chapter next. So um, that's exciting. I'm looking forward to that book. Um, I wonder what changes he'll make, if any, uh, based on the show and the feedback to the show. If he's going to be like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to get into the the D and D, you know, shitstorm. I'm going to avoid that entirely, um, and I'm going to have. I'm going to have Daenerys do what the fans want. I, I don't know what, what he'll decide, but, um, you know, he, he writes, he writes, uh, great books. Uh, the, even the weakest one, I think, which was book four, um, still pretty good. So I, I think, I think it'll be a fun read. Mm. Yeah. I, I saw that tweet and he said he's cooped up in some cabin and he's writing hours and hours a day on this book. Um, and I think you're all in a big for big disappointment that he's not going to get it out. <laughs> I mean, you can place your bets what ends the the vaccine or right. or <laughs> Song of Ice and Fire book six. Right. I mean, I think it's probably if I had to put my money down, I think the safer bet is obviously to say, no, he's going to blow this deadline, too. Um, especially if the vaccine happens in January, George Martin's going to be first in line so he can get the hell out of his writing room and go do stuff that's not writing. Um, so that, that, that could be a real detractor for his productivity would be a vaccine for COVID. But yeah, he's been, he's been quarantined and nothing to do but write. He can't go to all those damn conventions that he's so obsessed with. Uh, so readers will, will, will reap the benefit of, 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 uh, COVID-19. If there is a silver lining to it, I guess that's it. Mm. So yeah, that was that was a hopeful sign. Da, na, 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 na. Thank you, Peter. Yes, can't this, avoid it. This is the word of the week, uh, a segment for those just joining this podcast for the first time. The, <laughs> le- the legions of you. Uh, where I uh, will say a fun word that I have recently learned. Um, and Peter will spell and define it, and then I will spell and define it the right way. Um, it's fun. We've been doing it every podcast basically since uh, for how long? I don't know for for a lot lot of years. And here is our our most recent installment. Are you ready, Peter? Am I ever? You have proven not to be ready <laughs> ninety nine times out of a hundred. But uh, we'll we'll persist anyway. The word of the week this week is. Metonym. 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 M-E-D-O-N-Y-M-E. Metonym. Wait, say that again. You went too fast for me. I'm slow, remember. I'm not I'm not <laughs> how could I forget? <laughs> Metonym. M-E-D-O-N-Y-M-E. Metonym. You you had the tricky part correct. N-Y-M is correct. Uh, and I have to blame your substitution of a D instead of the accurate T. Metonym. You yeah. don't. Yeah, you don't. It's yeah. It's, again, for, it's your it's, fault. That's on me. That's my enunciation. Metonym. I'm a mumble mouth. That's on me. But the E that you ended at the, you added at the end. That's all you, Peter. That makes it a meta, metonym. Right? Metonymy. Metonymy. Uh, no, there's no E. So it's M E T O N Y M. N Y M. Metonym. Yeah. Me, me to nime. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Nim. Yeah, mm-hmm. me to nim. Me to nim. Nine. Yeah. 
And uh, what would you hazard a guess at the definition of this word, which I learned today? Uh, metonym. Uh, something to do with language. Uh, correct, 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 correct. Uh, um, something to do with change. Something to do with a uh, metonym is yeah, uh, change, a, yeah. a word that can change with. Wow. Uh, Something that can change in the way you say it. A word that can change by the way you emphasize a different part of it. That's what metonym is. That's, that's a word that can mean uh, something. Yeah. I prefer Whatever. your definition to the real definition. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, you're, you're in the right ballpark. If, if, if this word definition was in a ballpark, it would be at home plate and you would be in right field way up in the, in the upper, <laughs> upper stands, but you would be in the ballpark. The correct definition of, of <sighs> metonym, and I've got a couple of good sentences to use this okay, time. Okay, great. Um, it is a figure of speech consisting of the use of the name of one thing for that of another of which is it is an attribute or with which it is associated. Let me give you some examples. That's exactly what I said, dude. <laughs> yes, it is. It, it, no, you said it, it, okay, something that your... changes based on how you emphasize it. And I was like, I, uh, give, me your like sentence. give me your sentence. Okay, okay, okay. The Post's weird habit of using finest and the finest as a generic metonym for the NYPD is particularly jarring in this article. Exactly what I said. Finest, right? You're you're using finest, like you're you're, you're substituting finest for cops. Yes. Yes. That's why I thought you were. What is making this noise? Uh, that's why I thought you were in the right ballpark. But it is not what you said. I I believe me. I I would like to jump. You and, have no and heart. Re- <laughs> okay. How about this? I'll bring you out of right field. I'll say you are in the stands, right on the third baseline. Um, here's another, uh, example, uh, such as crown in lands belonging to the crown. So you just say the, instead of saying the, the queen royal family. or the royal family, you say the crown and that is a metonym. Mm-hmm. It's, um, I, I feel like it's, uh, I don't understand the nuance between a metonym and a, a synecdoche. Um, may, maybe that'll be the subject of, <laughs> of a future grammarian corner or something like no i'm not going to do that to you i just don't understand that but it, but i think it's similar to a cynic cynic much like you know we are podcasters but we're really just a couple of assholes <laughs> yeah that's, that's a our metonym decent, yeah that's a fairly decent metonym for a couple of <laughs> couple of jerks yeah <laughs> um anyway that that is the word of the week and that's my metonym for the word of the week i really want to get to oh yeah yeah um not used correctly okay so uh so we're at the three hour mark right now is that right no we're at about almost an hour and a half okay we're doing good um doing well oh geez okay so you had mentioned um an interesting question that had been raised in uh one of the various venues uh, through which one can access our content. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps you would like to uh, explicate this question so that we can then delve in 
for no less than one hour. Go ahead. One of our viewers uh, wrote this. I forget which one. I just copy pasted what they wrote. <laughs> so I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. I, I kind of, you want me to do it? I kind of wrote it down a little bit. No, I wrote it down. I have okay. it written down, okay. but I just okay. don't know who said it. So okay. they don't get any credit. That's fine. It's not about credit. <laughs> and then as we read it, they're like, oh, it was me to themselves listening to, <laughs> to themselves in the car. Quietly, <laughs> as a single tear streams down their cheek. Yes. Okay, it says, uh, okay, snackers, writing philosophy question. Whatever writing, writing philosophy is. Are writers sacrificing plot and plot mechanics for character? That's that's the first question. The second is a difficult question here. Is intricate design and construction burying character moments that would otherwise allow the viewers to become more emotionally invested than intellectually invested? So let's just take the first part. Yeah. And it says, okay, snackers. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I guess he's talking to us. Uh, yeah. It's kind of a preface to the question. Uh, so I think, I think we got that part. Yeah. And then what's the next writing philosophy question? Like what is writing philosophy? What, like the, the, the philosophy of writing, like, what, I don't know what that means. Uh, I don't know. Is uh, I, I want to say it's dramaturgy. No, I, I don't know what that is. Um, yeah, I, there, I'm sure there's some, uh, obscure, um, writing uh, esoteric science about, you know, writing uh, but you know it's it's a it's a, it's, a, it's a unique beast there's no I science feel, to I feel it. like what he's saying is uh, or she uh, they is uh, as you're yeah. supposed to see now uh, it's like I am currently seeing and reading these types of things in writing with character and plot and, and that's what philosophy means like in, in yeah. current writings and in, in viewings of shows or books storytelling are writers sacrificing plot and plot mechanics for character? So the three, um, the uh, three-part arc, or beginning, middle, end, uh, four acts, three acts stuff for right. uh, for character. And to my answer, to to answer that question right away, I would say no. I feel like the opposite's happening more and more. Wait. So what? What? So what is happening more and more? More plot is being pushed out in. Oh, in favor of character development. Tom Cruise from point A to point B to point C, and then versus, um, his character being developed. Okay, so there's there's more there's more plot. That's taking the big scale movie example. Right. And then let me go back to Lucy in the Sky. Uh, a writer sacrificing plot. Plot mechanics for character. Uh, no. no, that was a boring example. Um, you have any? You, what do you think? Well, I, I think the the it's a good question, and thank you to um, whomever did submit submit that. Um, did you? No, it wasn't me. Um, Maybe I'll actually go and try to find out as you as you. Uh, yeah, let me bloviate, and you can just do some some uh, internet uh, research. Ooh, um, sale on Amazon. Okay, <laughs> get some good stuff. Send send me something. Um, it, I think it's a little too uh, reductionist, and I think the answer in the end is uh, the probably the most boring answer is that it's a balance uh, with anything, um, because you know if if you have a, a solely a, a something that just um, 
delves deep into a character, then you have a character study and, and it just feels, it feels, uh, rich without any substance. It's just, it's all, um, there, there's, there's nothing to hang the, the, the character, um, exploration on it. You, you, you need the plot. I mean, humans, when they're being told a story, they, they need to, to know and to be interested in what happens next. Um, some movies, that's all they give you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and you, you come out of that, like I had a good time, but you forget about that movie the next minute. But it's, it's the movies of course, that strike the, that balance, um, that does that sort of linger and kind of can, can get you into the classic movie territory. Um, so I, I think, Yes, uh, the the more you focus on plot, the 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 more you sacrifice character, and um, and I think vice versa. Um, I, I probably the more interesting question um, to come out of that question rather is uh, where where's the best place to tell stories that give um, satisfactory levels of kind of character development. Um, but also, uh, enough plot that, that it, it's, it's driving, it's driving a narrative and, and you're on board and you can't wait for the next installment. Um, you know, when it, when it's just character exploration, it's a character piece, you know, those, those weren't what you would call must watch, you know, those aren't, you know, those aren't like the, uh, the filmic versions of page turners. So it's the plot that draws you in, that brings you through to this character and lets, you know, uh, I, I would say the artistry exists in the character development, but honestly, um, I'm I'm just as as awed by um, writers who are exceptional at plot. I think of um, uh, Silence of the Lambs as a good example. Um, the book or the movie? Um, uh, good point. I would say I would say both. Uh, in terms of plotting, I think uh, Thomas Harris is uh, a master. And and with no better examples, of course, than Red Dragon and Silence of the Lambs, but um, the the way that he develops uh, a very strong, a very unique, and a very sort of uh, closely observed character in Clary Starling um, is also really brilliant. Um, and and you know, if he had gone more towards character development and lightened up on plot, then he might have had something. Uh, kind of more in the literary category, um, but that wasn't what he was. Tra- that wasn't the story he was trying to tell. The, the 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 story was in essence a thriller, which was propulsive and get you to the next chapter, get you to the next chapter. Um, but he also happened to have put in some really amazing kind of character development in there. So it, it's it's um, you know you do you do sacrifice um, a character when you you linger on plot and vice versa, but that's just it depends on um, on the goals I guess you're trying to accomplish in whatever story you're telling. Um, my recent examples I would look to is uh, writer director uh, Tarantino for um, Django, yeah, um, and uh, Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, Django is, I believe, a mostly plot driven story. You yeah. don't really get to know Django too well. You don't get to know his um, his cohort or any of the bad guys really. You just get caricatures most mm-hmm. of the time. Um, but the plot is, you know, he's got to go and get his wife back once he's 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 freed, and the other guy wants to go and collect bounties. 
Uh, mm-hmm. It's very plot driven. You know, right. this gets you this, this, this. It doesn't get into why they're making those decisions. It just gets into character types of this is a slave who um, wants to be reunited with his wife. Right. Um, and this is a, a, um, a slave owner who just wants to make some more money and enjoy his current slave, the slave owning life. I mean, that would be the two plots. Um, right. And then the characters are the character types and they do a really good job in expressing it, making it violent and big on screen. Then Hollywood is the plot is this is a historical event that happened and you either know about it like I did or my you don't know about it as my wife and where is it going towards is watching a character um, not really make choices, um, character choices to move the plot along because it seems like Leonardo's character uh, just fumbles along. His career is winding down out of movies and TV, and then he's he's get the, given the opportunity to go to Italy and make movies, and then he comes back. Mm-hmm. You know, things just happen to him. He's not like I'm going to make this choice. This is what I want to do. Right. You know, the the, the plot happens to him, mm-hmm. but you're invested in watching his character and seeing him uh, emotionally devolve or evolve in these situations and how he changes. And then the overall ending plot of like you know what's coming if you know what's coming. Mm-hmm. And then, or the surprise of like what happens at the end that you didn't know was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it it it's I think it's the answer to me is no, and it can. There's examples of it both ways. So yeah, I there are, it's, I don't think no, they're not sacrificing. I think you can write one way or the other, and I'm not yeah. seeing it really go one way more. I would say I'm enjoying the longer format of eight episodes, 10 episodes, getting more into character development, meeting more people and spending more time with the characters Mm -hmm. versus the two hours in a film and being like, no, this is, this is the way it should be. Two hours is more important. Two hour film is more important than an eight hour show. It's just still just TV. And I'm like, I don't think so anymore. I really enjoy the longer format. Yeah. 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 I I think those are really good examples actually, because it's like, Thank you. I, I, you're welcome. Uh, I feel like uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood really did sacrifice plot almost of any kind um, for for to tell the story, which were all just kind of set pieces for. Right. The what is characters. it like back then? And what were right. those those interesting characters like? Right. And so you can delve into this friendship between, you know, Brad Pitt's character and Leonardo DiCaprio's picture of uh, uh, our character. You can, you know, you can have this kind of long uh, uh, scene between him and Al Pacino as he kind of talks about his 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 career and his life. Um, and and, you know, a long car ride with uh, Brad Pitt and one of uh, one of Manson's girls on the way out to the to the ranch. Um, you can just sort of luxuriate in all of that. And it's interesting it's not exactly a character study, but you're dealing with lots of characters and you're kind of like spending time with them. And at the end, you just felt like, well, that was that was all right. That was a slice of life. That was that was cool. But it it it, it didn't feel the way that um, a movie, a more plot driven movie would where it's like, oh, something really happened. And so Django is a really good counterpoint to that because um, we're seeing all these really cool scenes. Uh, the characterization is lighter you know, we're because this, this is, you know, Jane goes on a mission to rescue his wife. Um, so we're, you know, we're, it's, it's kind of more classic, th- uh, three act structure a little bit. Um, and at the end, uh, is, I think it also resonates, but it just resonates differently. And it kind of, it kind of, uh, hits you differently. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's really, I, I think, it, I think it's right. That just depends on, 
on what you're writing and, and maybe sacrificing is, is wrong because, um, I think they're both important. Um, and you just have to strike that, that right balance. And sometimes you can, you can veer one way at one part of the story and then you veer in the other direction more towards character in the, in the, in the later part. So, um, yeah, but that, that's an interesting question. And I think that's something that, um, you know, writers and or people are interested in that, um, uh, think about and talk about a lot. Not us though. No, no, no this is the first time the, for us. The, the second part was, is intricate design and construction burying character moments. So creating the plot, something, let's say tenant looks like a really smart, what the hell's going on time travel, but only with a bullet versus the whole world's time traveling seems to be what's coming out of the trailer. Like it seems very, very like intricate in what he's right. talking about. And are the character moments going to be buried in that? And I think with the cast that he puts in there, they, there'll be character moments still. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that would otherwise allow viewers to become more emotionally invested than intellectually invested. Like I'm just worried about, um, I guess the way you would put it at the end of an episode, you can't say, oh, I can't wait to watch the next one mm-hmm. because I can't wait to see what happens to them. Versus, I can't wait to see what happens next. In like uh, most of the time, I'm saying, oh, I can't wait to see what happens next. I'm not like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to Geralt of, of, of Rivia in the next episode? I'm like, right, what's going right. to happen in the world and the plot? So I would say, uh, yes, uh, intricate design and construction is burying character elements. However, there are examples of um stories where it doesn't and those are few but far between and those are people who can um really write and really direct mm-hmm. uh those are the rare movies that's Sh- shawshank you could use um another example i was going to use as uh damn it aliens no <laughs> that sure wasn't it how <laughs> was it damn it i should i'm gonna forget what i was just thinking about um well, aliens might be. An, uh, you can think. I'll just. I'll just um, expel some hot air for a minute. Uh, aliens is 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 somewhat interesting because if if anyone's seen the deleted scenes for Aliens, the stuff that got I know. Cut, I know what it was. Oh, okay. Go ahead. The Prestige, another Christopher Nolan movie. Oh, okay. The Prestige is a very intricate and constructed story. I've yeah. listened to the book, and yeah, book and seen the movie. The book is fantastic. Yeah. It's way more horror than. The, yeah. the movie yeah. but it's very very um intricate and, and plot driven and device driven and yet um one of the, mo- the one of the things is there's a scene where um uh, hugh jackman sees the person go into the tank the tank is locked and somebody's drowning in the tank right you can see it in both the eyes there's a character moment there and you have an emotional attachment to it yeah. There's the scene where there's the it opens with all the hats. Is it all the hats that are in the the um Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. The first shot is the hats in a in a snowy field and yeah. then it's revealed later what that means. And it becomes in a way emotional because you can understand what it's about and yeah. what all those hats are. Um and then one of the final scenes in the film, you you're seeing a room full of you're seeing a, a Raiders of the Lost Ark room full of uh, Thanks. things, boxes and whatnot. And there's an emotional element there and it all falls back to the beginning of, of, of an emotional element to me. Uh, yeah. I, th- I think that movie works. There's a movie where it works. So it's 
it depends on the story. It depends on the crafter of the story. Um, so how do we answer that question? Is intricate design? No, but most of the time, yes. So in terms of the way films are going, I still think it just depends on how good the filmmaker is. Uh, Noah Wiley, for example, you would answer to this. Uh, wait, he's wait, creating... no, Noah Wiley of ER fame or Noah, Noah Hawley? <laughs> Noah Hawley. Come on. They're the same guy, right? I know they are completely. Um, uh, he, he's a master of both doing these. Seeing Lucy in the Sky, I would say no. He seems kind of muddled in both. But his TV shows are nailing it. Um, the intricacies of plot and character. Like you remember all the characters in Fargo. You remember just them being weird and whatnot and all the actors playing in it. Right. I don't know. I, I just ha I have to put more down to it. Um, it, it just seems like we're, we're trying to impose some order onto something that is sort of essentially disordered. And it's like really down to this weird alchemy between, you know, filmmaker and page and screen and so many things have to go right. And, and it's just, uh, it's like, it, it's almost impossible to take two good, two excellent scripts that are very different and just say, these are the writing rules that produce both of them. And it's like, no, each one threw out all the rules that created the other one. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you know, I think even, um, you know, it might be good to get, um, you know, Sean and Craig from, but no, they don't know. They don't know what they're talking about. I mean, I know they don't, but we could probably explain it to them. I think it would be fun to hear them learn it from us. But um, about about scripts and all, I mean, as I understand it, like the whole the whole feeling about um, you know three act structure has um, you know it used to be considered the um, the be all end all. Like this, this is this is what you do, and I think that now it's 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 sort of evolved into a more nuanced understanding of that as an even looser framework, one that you can even throw out entirely if it even applies in any real way at all. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I think I know when I went, when I first got to film school, I wanted that you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. I, I love that about like Sid field and, and all of that. And, um, the older and, um, less wise I get, the, the more I think that, that there's nothing to it. I mean, there's nothing to that philosophy. Mm. The there story. you go. You're saying philosophy. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, there, but there's no, there's no, um, there's no rules. There's just, you either told a good story or you didn't. And the reason you did is because you know how to write. And, uh, the reason you didn't is because, um, it, it just, the, the premise and the execution just didn't, didn't work. I mean, there's a million reasons something can go wrong. And there's just that one narrow path where something's good. And, you know, um, yeah, it's just it's just a controlled chaos, really. Um, here's an example I know nothing about. Mm. Um, Tiger King. Yes. Haven't seen it. Couldn't yeah. last past three minutes. Mm -hmm. um, but there is a character. Yeah. That doesn't get lost in the show. It gets created from the plot and the things going on and who they are. And they drive the plot. So there is a not something that's been written because it happened in real life, but there's an example of saying no to both those answers, mm -hmm. you know, that the character still comes out and, and shows through because everybody wants to be him. They, like, he isn't, he could be a, he could be a murderer, 
or he couldn't be. That's the choice of the plot and you figuring things out, but he's definitely a character and you get that out of those plots. Right. And that, right. that's, that is another film, but because it, you know, documentary, whatever, you don't know by that time it's controlled and it's, a, you know, it's who knows it's a story. It's a story mm-hmm. at that point. Right. So I think we've answered that question. So, um, shall we move on to something else that has, was also mentioned uh, that uh, we should talk about. Actually, it's not in our list. It's not on our list of things to talk about. Talking about Ron Jeremy? Uh, no, I'm talking about... We should always be talking about Ron Jeremy. But no, um, what we do in the shadows. Ah, yes. Yes, yes. Uh, we, You and I had now, I know, have both finished, finished the, the show. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of how, how um, season two ended up? Um... Uh, it was it was hilarious. I, I liked it a lot. I yeah. I liked some of the stuff they were playing with at the end. Oh, um, I believe it was the is the. Ugh, it's been a couple weeks since I've seen it. Yeah. Uh, the last episode is where they go to the theater. Yes. Yes. How they played with that was fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, that's great. And um, just playing with the genre is great. It's fun. It's it's better than the teen angst playing with the the, the Dracula. I mean the vampire genre. Right. Um, I think something funny. So my wife and I watched that and it was something new and different for her to get it back on the vampire genre. Cause it was basically dead and drained of all of its blood. Sure. Yeah. After true but blood. at the end of it, what is the first thing she went to? What? True blood. My oh, wife. She, the, she went, she went, she's seen it before, right? Yeah. We've seen true blood and watched it weekly. Okay. And yeah. Now we, we're we just streaming it and watching an episode or two a night. And I'm watching it with her, and it's way better to watch it that way. It's popcorn yeah. show, but okay. um, it's funny how like vampires just keep sucking them in. I know they do. They're uh, just an amazing literary, I don't know, character or concept. It's just uh, I'm in all of it. But the show, the show, uh, yeah. the show, yes, of, of what we do in the shadows. Uh, yeah, I thought it it uh, it ended just as uh, probably better, even stronger than than the already strong start to season two. Yeah. Um, uh, the standouts for me were the uh, the Jackie Daytona episode with uh, is, Mar- with Mark Hamill. That's the best episode of both seasons. Yeah, I would say so. Um, the 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 actor and the character who play um, uh, the, I I always blank on his name. There's there's there's, there's Laszlo. Laszlo. Is it Laszlo? Okay. Laszlo. He, I am more impressed with him with each episode. There is something so, so brilliant about how um, pompous he is <laughs> and, and how, how completely uh, oblivious he is to how pompous he is. That is just like the way he says bat right before he turns into a bat is <laughs> Is is amazing, and I, it's like it's it's musical the way he does it. He hasn't realized um, that he doesn't have to say it. <laughs> well, he just he probably just like, change into it. He's he says it so matter of factly, like it's just such as this. Um, um, but but so importantly, you know, mm-hmm. bat, and then he becomes a bat, <laughs> and, and it, it's uh, yeah, he's so he's so filled with his own self importance and and his his own abilities and everything. And and then, I, I don't know, it just, and that just the whole the Jackie Daytona thing, where he, like Mark Hamill comes wants what can't be very much money, and and Laszlo <laughs> decides at that minute that 
I have to go on the run forever and leave my whole life behind. <laughs> and you're he like, what? Guy. And he, do, he doesn't give it a second thought. It's, it's like, I made a decision, so of course it's the right one. I'm Laszlo. Um, and, and there was just the perfect amount of, like, of, of bizarre and, and hilarious. and the Volleyball like, team in it. Yeah, the volleyball team was such a, such a like a, an inspired weirdness that they like. He becomes like the 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 uh, what's the word the uh, the patron of this volleyball team, and, uh, and one of the, the best line in it, the one that made me laugh the hardest was when they're in the bar, and it was very funny that Mark Hamill did not recognize them. I thought <laughs> like these guys are fucking stupid. <laughs> Like these vampires are just terribly dumb. What does he have? What does he? What's it? He has a toothpick, right? And he doesn't recognize them because of a toothpick. That's right, it's a toothpick. It's like the Clark Kent with the glasses, except yeah. way dumber, right? <laughs> but okay, so Mark Hamill and uh, and uh, um, Laszlo, they get they start fighting when they realize who you know when yeah. when Mark Hamill and someone in the crowd shouts, "Oh my God, they're vampires!" <laughs> I love, I love how fast that they get to that. It's like they just have to bear. There's, there's no like concern. There's no like, oh, that that seems weird. Or it's like, no, they go instantly to. They are vampires. Oh God, they're vampires. Let's run. I just, uh, there was something just inspired about that line. There was so much good about that episode. I also liked um, the troll episode uh, with uh, with the energy vampire. That that was pretty funny. I felt I've. Uh, I felt too much like it, it borrowed too much from um, Weirdly South Park's episode about that, that same phenomenon. Not that they're in the same league, but I, I, I felt it was sort of well-trod uh, terrain. Um, but I kind of liked the twist at the end of like who the troll was. Um, and uh, and, I, and I, I'm very interested to how season three is going to start. And I have a theory as to how. Without... Without giving away what happened at the the Teatro de la Vampire or whatever, mm-hmm. um, I think in the next one it'll start in the house, and um, Guillermo will enter the room, and the vampires will be very respectful and even deferential and a little scared, and they don't they won't know how how to exactly coexist with Guillermo de la Cruz anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it'll be it'll be a um, an interesting adjustment for them, but um, so I'm I'm excited to see how what their true what their reaction will be. But I, I that that's my hunch for how how it'll start is it'll start in the house with a very very different dynamic than than they went into uh, mm-hmm. or ended season two with. I didn't like I didn't enjoy it's not, not like I didn't enjoy as much um, the vampire hunter scenes the, yeah. where they're like meeting getting together like an AA group and talking about going out uh, for a hunt. Right, and then when they actually go out for their first hunt, and they go yeah. into a house, and what happens there, and yeah. they end up back into the, the the van that they all went in, and the <laughs> yeah. conversation that's happening in the van, <laughs> yeah, is spectacular. Yeah, uh, something else, uh, the cinematography, yeah. and the special effects, um, you know, the documentary style and the special effects all just it's seamless, it's beautiful. The the it's it's you don't guess anything it's fantastic right. and right. my one of my i don't know it's sticking in my mind right now is is a lot um um is alonzo alonzo god i'm forgetting his name already you got me all screwed up oh laszlo oh laszlo god yeah, laszlo. <laughs> laszlo in the orgy scene and all of his 
<laughs> accoutrement of his dildos and and whatnot and what he was wearing and just i keep seeing that it was hilarious yeah the 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 the, the montage of um of porn clips yeah uh it was it was <laughs> so so odious and disturbing but the, the the actor just like he just nails that part so well uh, it's amazing <laughs> well, we he's do. so so convinced of his own prowess and and mm-hmm. uh yeah yeah that's good but uh, yeah, I, I high recommend. I'm 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 very anxious to get my hands on season three whenever that comes out. I hope soon. I know it just got uh, got greenlit, so I'm sure they've got to actually write them and then produce them and all that. So we've got to wait, but um, it should be fun. Well, somebody had mentioned that Jermaine Jermaine Clement is not. Yeah, he's off the writing staff. Yeah, he's not going to be part of it. Yeah, I, Which I, 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 I do. Think, I don't think they don't need him too much anymore because he, he probably. I don't think he. The, I think they got it. I think. This, yeah. This, I think so. I think because he and Taika were both, you know, heavily involved with both both seasons. I don't know what Taika's involvement will be. You know, he and I are on first name basis, of course. That's why we call him Taika. But um, they, they'll they'll you know they've set the the direction for the show, and they can step back, and I think it'll be fine. But um, you know, time will tell, of course. So yeah. Um, okay, uh, we do have some Apple news. I think we should. I think we should get into that a little bit before before we get too much further. Down the road. What do you got? Everybody's falling asleep, man. That's well, the best time for Apple news. Let's see. Um, Apple news. Night. Apple has their on Monday. They had their uh, WWDC which is their developer conference where developers all come to near Apple and they all meet and they talk about new software coming out and maybe even new hardware. And this year was done social distancing. So instead of coming and seeing Tim Cook on stage and all the, the, the nerds in the audience and whatnot, they did uh, videos and you could stream videos at a certain time. Mm-hmm. And over the week they're releasing videos about different ways to write code for all these different things. And, and uh, for all the developers, um, and for us, the you know the casual uh, Apple news people, they they they're releasing obviously new software for everything. Um, the biggest uh, thing that they're releasing, that they announced, I'm sorry, was that they are going to be switching to their own, as they call it, Apple Apple Silicon Silicon, not silicone. <laughs> I've made that, uh, I've made that that mistake many Apple times. Apple Silicon, also. which is basically they're going to make their own uh, processors, their own they're going to design their own chips. Um, what, and, are they taking that business away from Intel? Yes, they're not going to be giving Intel on whatever 10 their 10 to 30 dollars per chip that they do and put them into their computers. Oh. Okay. Um or hundreds of dollars, I don't know what chips cost. But they're going to uh, design their own for their own stuff and this is a philosophy that somebody said back in, I believe in the seventies about if you design, um, if you want to have great products, you have to design your own hardware and your own software. So basically you control the whole pie. Right. Right. And they, they've always proclaimed this, but Apple's always been relying on third party, um, Sony for their screens and cameras. Um, you know, even Samsung for their screens, and LCD stuff. Um, they're relying on all these other companies. They're still going to rely on other people to manufacture it, but they are designing it and telling you what specs and how to build it for their devices. And the advantage of that is, is they can write the software that these things use. The batteries will last longer. They'll be more powerful, and it's a better end user experience. Whether you're a pro, uh, 
hopefully a, when you're a, you're a pro and for just a casual user. Okay, that's interesting. So it's a pretty interesting idea. Nobody else really does that except for proprietary stuff, but usually proprietary, you need to get all the third-party stuff and put it together. Um, this is something hopefully that um, cars start to do as they become all electric and basically computers on wheels, that mm -hmm. they'll start keeping everything in-house and making their own stuff. Um, but now, it's, the developer conference, though, I, I'd heard that there was they were unhappy. Oh, yeah. So I think I talked to you a little bit about this, that... Yeah. Um, there was a big to do. So if you did a, um, uh, a, a survey of um, satisfaction for Apple products and Apple software, mm -hmm. most it would be in the 90th, 90th percentile. Most people are happy with their Apple products. Most people are happy with the software. They're happy for their expensive products. People are very happy. Mm -hmm. If you talk to the developers, the guys who actually make the software for these products, um, they would probably be less than 50% happy. With dealing with Apple, how much money Apple takes from them from their product, um, and, and the people who are, they would agree that. Um, I don't know what they would agree on. I don't really talk to them that much, <laughs> uh, but I think they would say that they're they, they're unhappy, but they want it to be fixed. And there were some issues that came up recently in the last week about how submitting to the App Store and the rules that the App Store has to get their, their apps out there and how much money App, Apple takes from it, 30% um, for every sale, um, is, is still viable and whatnot. And uh, in the European Union, they are talking about antitrust stuff about this, how they control both the devices and the software that goes on the devices through third party, and they can control the rules and regulations. Mm -hmm. Um, that it's going to come to a head at some point, but Apple seems to be able to, as for a big ship to steer, they were able to make some decisions over the weekend that uh, developers were happy right direction with. It's not fixed, but okay, right. these little steps are going in the right direction. Oh, that's good. Um, so it's not over. Um, but yeah, the biggest thing is, is if why aren't develop developers at least at 60, 70% satisfaction? Right. You know, and when this is how I make my money and I'm just not happy with it, but I have to do it because it's Apple, you know, that's not the right way. Right. Um, because some of those, you know, when you're inviting them to your, you, you can't invite them to the, the, the campus anymore at this time, but you're inviting these people and half of them are upset at you, but they love, they love the idea of the product or they love right. that they can make money on this thing and they're unhappy. That's not great. So they need to change something. Mm -hmm. There's always something that Apple could be working on and working harder at. And it must be so difficult to figure out what to focus on at the time. And sometimes things come to a head before others. Um, for instance, the whole uh, uh, privacy of uh, the government wanting to end uh, end to end end-to-end -end encryption mm -hmm. so you can hack somebody's phone in their chats and see if they were talking about killing or kidnapping or being an isis or something like that or being a, right. a terrorist um enforcing people just to open their phones with their thumb or their face or their passcode mm -hmm. um how are you going to do all that um and apple is sticking to their guns and saying no we're not changing anything we don't want to do all that and the government is trying to say well we're gonna we are gonna force it and it's, it's all republicans Sure. They, some Democrats, they don't understand how technology works. They don't understand what it does. Um, they all want that key to get in the back door to open the stuff. Right. Um, so that that's there's there's lots of ends. How do you they got to keep their head on straight and uh, figure out how to fight it? 
Um, and I, again, I give them the benefit of the doubt that they're doing the right thing. In terms of developers, they started the App Store 11-some years ago. Mm-hmm. And some things haven't changed at all. And apps have completely changed, so they need to adjust. Right. Um, so we'll see. Um, and the, the, all the software updates that are coming in the fall um, are, you know, it's not nothing too exciting. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't too blown away, so there's nothing really... Are they going to have like a big product launch in the in the fall or a product a kind of a, a symposium or whatever? There's always the iPhones and watches that come out in the fall. Okay. We don't know if there's all the rumors of they're going to come out later um, because oh. of Corona. Um, oh sure. So I, I assume they are because they did mention they're going to have a new this this new processor is going to be in their newest computers at the end of the year. So they will be some sort of event to explain. Because um, they didn't say how fast or how energy efficient the new processes are, mm-hmm. but they will at that point. So it'll be a big event, one or two events that'll be streamed, I assume. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah, that's 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 the Apple news. All right. I well, can wake everybody that. up. Let's let's. Um, uh, I think we should probably do one more thing before we close it up. If you agree, um, I think we should mention. Um, the the game from uh, oh. friend of the show, mm-hmm. uh, Ara. Ara uh, working for uh, a game company out in Phoenix uh, as a as a game uh, that just came out. I think on a bunch of different platforms: Street Steam and uh, um, PS4, Apple Arcade, PS4, yeah. and um, it's called uh, Beyond Blue. Oh, and, right. <laughs> And um, I guess it's kind of like an ocean exploration game. And um, I, I watched—I haven't—I haven't downloaded it yet myself, but um, I watched a, a, tr- a trailer or kind of a gameplay sample for it, and it looked—it looked amazing. Um, just kind of, sort of—I I guess there's kind of a a, a a story that that kind of gets you into the ocean and um, different levels of the ocean. I think you you actually end up sort of exploring different strata uh, and getting very deep uh, at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks have good. Of, it. Have you heard of Firewatch? Yes, I have. So I Firewatch have, have is kind of like a choose your own adventure novel mm-hmm. in a weird way game, and it's just a it's a it's just not a, a amazing. It's not like a fantastical story. It's just you're a guy um, who's had a tough time and you've lost somebody you love, and you go out and you decide to be a um, a firewatch guy who's in the middle of a park national yeah. park and he's you're on the top of a mountain you're looking for fires but then you're in radio contact with somebody you don't know and then you're going on these little missions for them and then it turns out to get you know darker darker deeper deeper and like what's really going on here yeah. um i never that, got I, I got that game and I, I never got very far into it but it was interesting i thought i think that's what um this game is it's uh starts out just like a, a woman who's a deep diver she can hold her breath for a while and she's looking for marine life and just to study it and i think things are going to happen while she's underneath that yeah. get like well this is nefarious or something like that and it just gets into like plot and story right and moving along versus just like how many fish can i kill which that's not <laughs> what it's about at all right right yeah it sounds it sounds very cool um I, I am planning on downloading that as well as um I've also got on my list to also download uh, second mention uh, Heath Michaels uh, kind of throwback retro 80s game as a racing game. Um, I'm blanking on the name of it right now, but um, it it looks it looks like um, yeah it looks like fun. So 
I, I, I think I, I think I've watched a, a gameplay demo, a couple of gameplay demos, and it looks good. Was this one you did a while ago? Yeah, I think yeah, it's probably been you know the way time flies. I don't know, six months maybe. Oh really? I didn't. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. He did another game uh, that was it was a very interesting concept where it's like you turn on the light to see, and it's the only way you oh, can yes. see where you're going. Yeah. And but but the light brings in some kind of you know evil creature, so you have to turn your light off or else. Right? Or is it? Yeah, I think it was the light that did it, and that was kind of a cool concept. Um, so, um, many different games from uh, friends of the show, so which is which is awesome. So. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, I'll I'll, I'll uh, post the name of that uh, of of Heath's game so uh, it doesn't completely ruin the plug for it. Um, okay, any anything else that you want to add before we uh, we cinch up the uh, the bag? Um, no, I think that's enough. I mean, I've got more on my list, but I, I think people can can hold off. Yeah, we'll we'll save we'll save. We have some excellent stuff that we did not have time to get to today, but we will get to it on the next episode. And I also next episode, just to tease everybody, I want to talk about a couple books that I just finished. Uh, <laughs> I'll do my best to make it interesting. They're they're known quantities. They have um, deep roots within um, popular uh, film uh, culture as well. So hopefully that'll be enough to to keep everyone awake. But anyway. So um, with that, I would say until next time, Peter. Until next time, Brian. Oh, no. Are we in a musical? Uh, Hello, friends. My name is Queen. Whatever I want to be. Don't worry. I'm totally not one of those evil queens you've read about in fairy tales or seen in the movies. And there's no reason at all to be suspicious of me. that you're leading with this. I'm so not a villain. I have zero evil plans. No ulterior motives. Just want to help where I can. I want to shower you with gifts because I'm selfless and sweet. So there's no reason at all to be suspicious of Queen Whatever. Out. She's cool, not evil. What about me? You and a kitty. What's the most glitter you can imagine? A lot. Times up by infinity. Woo-hoo! And Batman. Don't even try it, lady. I don't need anything. Oh, I know. That's 
why I'm going to give you half of everything. Oh, uh, like everything, everything? Everything, everything. She's rad. This chick gets me. Here are some other adjectives people use to describe me. Unduplicitous, unmalicious, unconniving, unnasty. You're clearly deciding unwords to describe you. Who, me? I'm queen, whatever. Children cry, and I never poison enemies of mine, and I never cry when I'm alone at night, cause I'm not said I love 